The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts and lift them up to the Lord. We gather for ordered worship to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily this Lord's Day are offered in the praise of God here for our congregation within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM in this hour, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service and ministry in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We gather to worship together, and as we begin each Sunday, each Lord's Day, in community, we recognize that we are frail, occasionally prone to bump or harm others, and utterly mortal. Death makes us mortal. Facing death makes us human. We come in a moment of contrition, compunction, lament, and confession to offer our silent individual prayers as the choir guides us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lesson from the Epistle of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a brittle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? 
No more can salt water yield fresh. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 19 responsively with the antiphon. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. 
Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Gospel of Jesus Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 8, verses 27 to 38. Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any of you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord.
Please be seated. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what he sees? But we hope for what we do not see and wait for it with patience. Our denomination lost a great matriarch in ministry from our Northeast region this past fortnight. Barbara Steen and her husband, the Reverend Tom Steen, for decades brought remembrance and exemplification and practice to the arts of ministry, which are gifts to us, though never permanent gifts if they are not held in recollection and followed in practice. We this summer have reviewed the hope that is within us. We have kept in mind the letter to the Romans, the epistle to the Romans, the great magnum magnum opus of Paul of Tarsus, which Barbara, our beloved matriarch, did live. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, to the religious first, but also to the unreligious. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith gives hope in persistence. We live in hope against hope, so persistence. Suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not deceive us because of the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. For more than half of their life, Barbara and the Reverend Thomas Steen lived without their two young children, one Susie who died at age 19 as a freshman at Baldwin Wallace, and one Tommy who died at age 35 as a graduate student at Cornell. Suffering produces endurance. Who hopes for what he sees? We hope for what we do not yet see. How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Persistence. What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? Who will separate us? from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Shall tribulation or distress or famine or persecution or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. With Barbara, through much of her life, a life of absence as well as presence, we know that hope that is seen is not the full measure of hope. We are warned about such in the epistle to James from the year 100, a typical sermon of the second or third generation. If you want to know what a sermon sounded like or how long it lasted, read the epistle to James. Was there ever a time that could more quickly understand without exegesis, without explanation, without application, without exemplification, how the tongue, say the cyber tongue, can be a fire? Now you can guide a horse with a bit and bridle, and you can guide a boat with a rudder, but the tongue, those of us who teach and preach how well we know it, is a fire, lapses, lurches, out and within and without, 
Why, even in our time, this is our time now, let us be frank, a time of racism, a time of sexism, a time of misogyny, a, a time of xenophobia, a time of irresponsibility, a time of rapacity, a time of depravity, a time of mendacity, particularly that long-lasting, full moment of our time of mendacity. Was there ever a time that touched or was touched by the hem of the garment of the epistle to James? And yet James itself, he, he seems almost too tepid for our time. We might recall that on which he drew from Amos in the seventh chapter, the judgment of God, and in the eighth chapter, the silence of God. The Lord stood beside a wall built with a plumb line, and he held a plumb line up, and he said, Amos, what do you see? A plumb line, said Amos. And the Lord replied, behold, I hold a plumb line among my people Israel, and the high places will be made low, and the sanctuaries be made waste, the judgment of God in our midst. But judgment is nothing compared to silence. So Amos, the eighth chapter, Behold, says the Lord, I will send a famine upon the land, not a famine of bread or thirst for water, but a famine of the word of the Lord a famine of the word of truth, and they shall not hear it, and they shall search from sea to sea, from north to east, and they shall not find. So the gospel of Mark, following on the teaching, preaching, healing, ministry, cross, and resurrection of Christ, brings us up in Peter's confession, full and short, take up, follow the two moments of our gospel, one the beginning or the initiation of faith, take up the cross, and one the continuation or journey of faith, and follow. These are words seen and penned in the year 70 AD that look past through the cross and resurrection to the time of Jesus of Nazareth. They are, though, though there are a number of authentic words here, these words about cross and follow, as Bultmann, despite your disputing of him, holds strong and true. These are vaticinuum ex eventu. These are words that are out of the preaching of the early church, seen and heard on the lips of Jesus four decades earlier. Is it possible that Jesus said these? It is possible, but did it happen No, pardon a humble analogy. Some decades ago, I was playing golf with my dad, who spoke with a frankness few managed to muster. And I had a 30-foot putt ahead of me. And I said, Dad, I I could sink this. I could drop this. I could hold this. This could be a birdie. It's possible. And he said, yeah, it's possible. It won't happen. And when I missed it, he said, yeah, it was possible but it didn't happen. Did Jesus speak these words about cross? It's possible, but it didn't happen. This is the preaching of the gospel. We do not have in the gospels hagiographies, biographies, journals, histories. No. These are announcements of God's grace written in 70 and 85 and 90 and later seeing back through. So to guide us and give us persistence that Barbara and Tom did have in the teeth of our time, in the teeth of the rhythms of racism, and in the teeth of the seasons of sexism, and in the teeth of the months of misogyny, and in the teeth of the zeal of xenophobia, and in the teeth of the incarnation of irresponsibility, and in the teeth of the penchant for perversity, and in the teeth of the rituals of rapacity, 
and in the teeth of especially the moment of mendacity. Behold, the days are coming when I shall send a famine upon the land, not a famine of bread or thirst for water, but a famine of the word of the Lord. Friends, beloved, in order to move through the next decade, we are going to need to offer and share with one another measures of hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. We hope for what we do not see. So this summer, your preachers, Brother Whitney and Dr. Walton and Reverend Gaskell and Dr. Coleman and Reverend Donahue and the dean brought you little morsels of hope, hope and righteousness, hope and freedom, hope and disappointment, hope and listening, hope and children, hope and the blending of red and blue into purple. All right, maybe it was more violet than purple. Hope and the keeping of faith day by week by month. We lost a matriarch who for the second half of her long life to age 96 lived in the absence of those whom she most loved. And she did it with vim, vigor, vitality, and pepperino. You know, we can't preserve the habits of ministry that last and work and matter without a recollection and an example or three. Barbara lived invitation through outreach and fellowship, the journey forward and the journey inward. Some time ago at the summer camp in which we came of age, we had a chance to hear her speaking. I remember it being in the lifeguard chair as she came up. She had a very distinctive way of speaking. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? Barb Steen here. Tom Steen here. How's your mom? How's your dad? How's Marsha? How's Irv? How are your siblings? Kathy, Cynthia, John. How's the work going? Didn't you marry that young girl yet? See you later, Barb. That week, we had a young man, age 15, Mark, who had never been to camp before, but who was about, he was a stout and a muscular guy. He barely passed the swim test, but he did pass. And he had the time of his life all week. He got up early for polar bear swim. He stayed up late for vespers. He enjoyed the meals and the fellowship. I don't know whether he confessed Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior and confessed his allegiance to his kingdom that week, but I know he was alive. You could see the life in him. You spell that L-I-F-E except that lunch came on Friday and he was nowhere to be found. And of course, first we searched the water, not there, and then the highlands, and then Mount Tabor, and then Bethany, and then Galilee, and nothing, and early evening, finally walking down the railroad bed heading south from the campground. There he was, sitting underneath a tree, just waiting and ruminating. And Mark, I said, sorry you didn't enjoy camp. He said, oh, you don't understand. This has been the best week of my life. I love it here, but I can't go home. And when he had explained what he was returning to, you could understand. You know, most of us have had seven helpings of faith, seven helpings of religion, seven helpings of grace and spirit, but there are a lot of young people like Mark who don't know the Lord's Prayer, don't know the sacraments, haven't picked a favorite hymn, can't recite a psalm, haven't had a first helping. So when we come to church, we want to remember those with whom we can share in fellowship and make an invitation week by week. You come to, through that long evening, Mark finally resolved to return home, but he did it not in so many words, but in this understanding, I'm going back but I'm going back with the memory of this week. Invitation is at the heart of outreach. May we in ministry not forget the power of each one welcome. Four years later, Jan and I were departing from New York City. Six months, our child Emily was in utero at six months and there was illness and the doctor said, preceding the operation. I don't know whether I can save one or both. I hope so, but I don't know. 
By God's grace, the operation was a success. We were transferred by the grace of the connection, the general superintendent, to a little home cottage in Ithaca. There we awaited the birth, hoping that the birth would come after June 15th, on which date we became members of the annual conference and thereby received permanently health care. And fortunately, the baby was born July 5th. In a long summer of heat and loneliness and ministry, stumbling to start, how I feel for the young preachers in our pulpits in these years. What a tough time to begin. And then in the early days of September, the heat's still with us, the phone rang. Hi, hon. Hi, Bob. Barbstein calling. How you doing? How's your mom? How's your dad? How's Marsha? How's Irv? How's Cynthia, Kathy, and John? How's Jan? I'm glad you finally decided to marry her. Listen, can I talk to her, please? And the gist of it was an invitation to fellowship, a brunch with ten other couples, some with children, others not, in the Newfield Parsonage, and a beautiful meal at a table set with ironed linen, and folded napkins, and polished silver, and fine china, and coffee, and tea, and eggs, and bacon, and toast, and jam, and life opened. And in the months to come, one who had been present called and said, let's play a round of golf. And another called to say, let's have a meal together. And a third said, I saw that car. You need to change the brake pads on that car, I believe. You don't need to pay for that. You come and I'll help you and I'll show you how to do it. The habits of welcome, invitation, outreach, fellowship that are the joy of faith need recollection, exemplification, and practice. So we recall in the shadow of this one great matriarch. You know, to think of the persistence of Barbara and Tom and many like them here and listening near and far to keep faith when hope is not seen. We hope for what we do not see. Peter Berger, in his book, Rumor of Angels, spoke, writ, did write about the signs that we have in our experience of what we don't know what lies beyond this life. We have no knowledge. We gain knowledge, and knowledge is wonderful, but remember that the larger of the body of knowledge the longer the shoreline of mystery that surrounds it. Said Berger, wrote Berger, we have a sense, as those of, of us who knew Barb and Tom have, that there was something not right in their being deprived of their children at an early age. We hold that. Whatever else lies beyond us, we know that. So we can hope, or at least for a moment, we can pause and imagine that some way, somehow, in a heavenly breakfast hour with a table set and an eternal breeze and four chairs and linen that has been ironed and napkins folded and silverware polished and china, fine china used and a meal of sorts there will be one seat for each, mother, father, daughter, son, Tom, Barb, Susie, Tommy. And a prayer, gracious giver of all good, thee we thank for rest and food. Grant that all we do or say in thy service be this day. Beloved, hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what he sees? We hope for what we do not yet see and wait for it with patience. Amen.
we now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. God of light and love, thank you for the opportunity for us to gather in this place and be with you today. We pray for the individuals impacted by Hurricane Florence, that they will continue to lean on you for strength and comfort. We ask that you continue to be the light at the end of the storm, and you continue to be the Lord who provides. As we enter into the last quarter of the last of the year, we ask that you continue to guide us along the way. May we continue to remember that it is a miracle to be alive and well. We continue to stand with those affected by family separation and the marginalized in the, in the country. May we find a way to come together as one and stand together as a unit against hate and bigotry. As the summer tested who we are as humans, may we continue to strive to love like your son, Jesus Christ. May we seek to come alive and embrace the challenges of the rest of the year. May we remember that it's not what they call you, it's who you answer to. And now we pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. The peace of the Lord be always with you. 
My name is Nick Rodriguez, and I am the Ministry Assistant for Outreach and Engagement here at Marsh Chapel. We welcome you once again to the nave of Marsh Chapel and hope you'll take a moment to help us get to know you better so that we can help to you to get to know one another better by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew. During Alumni Weekend, next weekend, Dean Hill will lead an alumni service of remembrance, a special memorial service honoring those friends and family we've lost. This service will be on Saturday, September 22nd at 10.30 a.m. here in the Marsh Chapel nave. Today, I want to remind you of some of our weekly fellowship opportunities. On Monday evenings at 5.30, there will be our ecumenical night prayer service. This service offers a time of gathering, prayer, and reflection. On Tuesday, there will be Create Space. Come anywhere between 3 to 6 p.m. for an opportunity to engage with the arts as a spiritual practice. Following that is Global Dinner Club, where there will be chana masala. So come for the arts and stay for the Indian food. On Wednesday at 5.15 p.m. in the nave, there will be our ecumenical service with Eucharist. This service offers scripture, prayer, and communion, and there will be dinner following the service. And now with a quick announcement from the Marsh Chapel Music Department, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. I want to introduce the newest members of the Marsh Chapel Choir, and I'm going to ask them to stand as they call their name, and then we can all welcome them to the choir and to the community together. For half of them, this is their first Sunday. For the other half, this is their second Sunday. So please welcome, let's see, Jonathan, uh, Paige, Anya, Alex, Masis, and Wenting. There are two more, Jade and Elizabeth, who will be starting next Sunday. But please join me in welcoming these, the newest members of the Marsh Chapel Choir. We're well underway, and we start our first Bach experience two Sundays from today. So get ready, study up, Cantata 105, and we'll see you in two weeks for that. Thank you. Children's ministry begins today. At the start of the last hymn, children who want to attend are invited to follow Mahalia downstairs. This week, the lesson will be on the parable of the sower and will include a fun plant-based project. There will be coffee hour following the service outside on Marsh Plaza. We invite you to join us for some fellowship and light refreshments. For all their upcoming services and activities, we'd encourage you to keep an eye to the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where you may also find the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Source of all life, the heaven and earth are yours, yet you have given us dominion over all things. Receive the fruits of our labor offered in love. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen. Amen.